to the Boxing Rad Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can what up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 362 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's going on, brother? We had another weekend chock full of boxing, Ken. <laughs> the queen herself in action in London. Can you believe it? What? The queen? <laughs> the queen. <laughs> Fucking Eddie Hearn's so desperate after that Connor Ben Chris Eubank debacle. He's digging up the lady's old bones before her <laughs> had a chance to thaw out. <laughs> old Eddie, we'll do anything to make a buck, won't hey, he? Hey, that's not as low as they went this weekend, Ken. There's a potential underage dick pic sender in the ring. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, you heard me. Loud and clear. <laughs> I believe in the UK they call them nonces. <laughs> But he, but in California they call him residence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Ken, is there a glitch in the matrix? Yes, they should have stopped after the third movie. Because I'm telling you right now, after the the Wachowski, <laughs> how should I address them? <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you, that's a tightrope. I ain't walking, pal. <laughs> All I know is the fourth movie fucking sucked. I didn't um, and uh, man, I. There's a lot to go into with Vasily Lomachenko's performance. Yeah. I, I think people are going to be surprised with my takeaways on this one. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that, but do you know, sir, <laughs> what the most important news of the weekend is? Do you know who the number one contender for the WBC welterweight champion Errol Spence is, Ken? Jerron Ennis. <laughs> Virgil Ortiz. <laughs> who, Ben? None other than <laughs> Keith. One-time Thurman, baby. We back, son. We all the way back. That makes about as much sense as a super MAGA <laughs> who lives in a nudist colony with LGBT flags and Black Lives Matter signs <laughs> in the windows. <laughs> that is, oh yeah, definitely MAGA all day right there. Yeah, that says it all. <laughs> well, you, you know gotta what? Throw, I, you got to throw him off the scent, Ken. Right? <laughs> when I look at Keith Thurman in that fading hairline, <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, how does this guy ranked in the top of anybody's? Top 10 conversations about welterweight boxing, much less rankings involving fighters. This guy's fucking resume is as hard to explain to an idiot, which is the average boxing fan, as Adrian Broner's. Like, you know, people are going to wonder, they're going to look back and tell stories about this time period in America, and people are going to be like, what the fuck is everybody talking about? Y'all motherfuckers is crazy. It's going to be the same way when people look back and they try to explain the careers of Adrian Broner and Keith Thurman, and I hate to be lumping your boy in with A.B., that's fine. but that's what it is to me now. I love both those guys, so I don't well, give a I shit. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too, but I love them in the same way that I love like my drunken, capable <laughs> uncle. Right. You know what I'm saying? Ken, I'm telling you if Keith Thurman doesn't come back for this fight with Errol Spence and just take that hairline 
all the way back and square it off and get you that Goro Mortal Kombat. Oh, that Jet Li ponytail. I mean, let's just cut the bullshit because you look like a straight up clown with that hairline right now. Son. You got to love them guys, man. You know, I, I had that contemplation myself when my hairline started to go, you know, as I like, should I keep that temp fade line up? When I be going up in Anita's hair salon, you know what I'm saying? And I'd be like, yo, Big L size me up with that temp fade yo you know what i'm saying it got to a point where big l had to look at me and he was like can dog i like when you be coming in here like you that funny ass white white guy saying white guy funny shit you know what i'm saying like you be knowing about boxing and shit but you don't really be knowing about it you know what i'm saying like dog stick to that shit let me be real about your hair piece yo you don't need to be doing that shit no more that shit is weak sauce yo let that shit go <laughs> yes shave it i i don't mind him I'm sure he'll give effort until he's spooked in the ring. I just think fucking Errol takes him to Shakedown Street. Look, I like the idea of there being two well-known fighters. I think people are getting a little too excited about two names getting in the ring because that doesn't even happen that much anymore, right. regardless of one guy being past the prime or not. Yeah, And it's not even that Keith... I think Keith just kind of... I was checked out for his prime. Yeah, I mean, when you're blowing up to 190 and you're a welterweight, like you're blowing up to 190 in between fights, dude. So the best thing that could happen, the best advantage that that Bud Crawford could get out of a fight like that, that Keith is so fucking fat, you know what I'm saying? That that it, the only way the fight can take place is if it's at like a middleweight catch weight <laughs> at 160. So I know I know he's been back in the gym for a couple weeks, and uh, who's gym? Uh, you know, he down there in Florida. Oh, St. Pete Beach. Yeah, but so. He did an interview recently, and somehow the knockout shit came up. The one time, like, what happened? I think it was with Brian Custer. I think it was his Last Stand podcast or whatever. And Keith's answer for that was, like, he starts talking about how, man, we used to use them them Cleto Reyes gloves. He's like, now nah, we went to them rivals. He's like, ever since I went to them rivals, I ain't been getting nobody. I'm thinking about going back to them Cleto Reyes. And I'm like, Keith <laughs> – it ain't the glove, baby. <laughs> it ain't the glove. No. Go, why don't you go back and watch 2014 key fight and go back and watch 2019 key fight, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Man, that seems like such a long time ago. Dude, he is so much slower and worse than he was. Like, Almost he, makes you feel like they were fucking protecting Errol back when Keith was in his prime. I, I, I ain't saying, you know, as a noted Keith mark. <laughs> I think everybody been ducking yeah as me. <laughs> Except Manny though. <laughs> you know? Manny was getting that light work. Fucking Manny. That night was such a dagger. It's like you were so close to beating that old man. Why couldn't you just do it? He did it for us. He wanted to give us one last the uh, one last ride of the great Pac Man. He, he wanted to give us them feels. Again. He did. He gave Pac his last big win. He did. He did, and as a diehard, uh, you know Manny Pacquiao, one of my top three favorite fighters of all time. Um, thank you, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. <laughs> all right, so that's the Keith segment for the show. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, thanks for joining us on episode three hundred sixty-two of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 at Kenny Keith Jr. Support the show on patreon.com backslash boxing rant. Post fight MSG New York, New York, Vin. It's the return of Vasily Lomachenko as he took on Jermaine Ortiz in a lightweight contest. You know what's interesting about this fight? It wasn't all the shoulder content and the and the montages and everything that you knew that was gonna come. 
about a guy that was returning from going to war for his country. Like, you expected all that shit, and I was glad to see it because it needed to be shown, I guess, you know. It is part of the story. But what it really made me think, if you've been following anything on Twitter, it's kind of been in your face a little bit. What it really, really sparked in my mind, though, then, was the back half of this guy's career has been so fragmented. Whether it's been an injury, COVID, and I know everybody's dealing with this. Everybody deals with injuries. Mm-hmm. Once Lomachenko became the mark for everybody, you started to see it wasn't the decline in his skills, and it wasn't even the decline in his athletic ability at first, but it was a decline in his sharpness in the ring, mm-hmm. right? His acumen, his acuity, his ability to get going. We always talk about older fighters, and, and one of the most overlooked thing about them is they become gun-shy. And when, when their output starts to drop off drastically, and in, this, and in this case, you see it with Vasily Lomachenko, this guy literally went from pound-for-pound pound, arguably the best fighter in the world to people questioning if he was even a real commodity altogether in three or four years when the circumstances were he was in his country uh, serving on behalf of his of his family and his country against a foreign invader injuries everything else you know i think that we kind of missed out on some of the best of Vasily Lomachenko fortunately his reign at the top was so fucking dominant at the time making motherfuckers quit on you know what i'm saying so much has happened that along the way, I don't even know if we saw so many of the skills erode as his ability to be sharp in the ring and to be able to pull the trigger. Because I feel like his power is still there. I feel like the guy can still punch. I feel like he's still super fucking aggressive, but he's slower to get started now. And in my eyes, Vin, this matchup against Jermaine Ortiz, I said to myself, I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know if he won this fight. But the way he closed the show, Lomachenko, he was beaten up. It's so interesting to watch these older fighters get old in such different ways. Uh, There's been a corrosion of his superhuman abilities. You know what I mean? I think he can still punch. I think he can still box. I think he's still aggressive enough to be competitive with anybody on the planet around his weight class. But I also think we're in a territory now around the same exact age that Nonito Donaire needed to make a decision. Am I going to keep going at 126 pounds or am I going to fucking get back in the gym, rejuvenate myself, become active again? In different circumstances again, right? Right. But he rejuvenated his career by getting down to 118 pounds and fighting guys that he could compete with on a physical level. The way that Lomachenko's body and the rust that has broken down, he can't continue to fight guys that are this much bigger than him. I'll put it like this. Once he's not fighting guys this size, Ken... I think he's done because I, at, at, at his age, going back down and wait, I know Donaire did it and that, you know, it's just not a thing that happens very often and, and fighters are successful. You said it and, and I, and I he's feel not just any guy though. No, no, no. You're right. And like, you know, all of the things that he's lost, all of the, you know, the slight drops in athletic ability and footwork and speed, all of that has just leveled the playing field, you know, athletically speaking with, with most guys he gets in the ring with. The problem is now that now that the athletic playing field has been leveled to a certain extent with a lot of these guys with quickness and footwork, he can't make up for the size advantage. Like that that was his, you know, he had the speed, he had the quickness, he was able to create the angle, he was able to get to the shot. Now even if I, he's definitely the footwork is not what it used to be. And I, I first of all, let's say this too. I thought Jermaine Ortiz had a great game plan. 
which was to not let Lomachenko lead the dance. He stayed moving. He stayed. He made Loma reset, re, you know, refocus his attack in this direction, that direction, and not let him dictate where the fight went. And when Ortiz threw punches, they didn't have much on them. He wasn't trying to do a lot of damage. He was just trying to throw combinations, make them land, make it look flashy. And he and he first half of that fight was super successful. And I think Lomachenko was a little slow to figure it out and a little slow to find out where he could get in and out and where he could do his damage. How much of it was rust? If it was ring rust, I think that... Well, how much of it is? I, right. I, I'm, you know. right. I would say he looked better off a longer layoff against Nakatani when he came back after the Tiafimo loss. Mm -hmm. He looked better in that Nakatani fight off a longer layoff than he did off of this 10-month layoff or, or whatever, uh, whatever exactly it was. It's, it's the combination of this. It's the combination of that layoff and the age. And it's gotten to a point where layoff combined with age is doubly bad for, for a guy like him now. He's just, it, you can see in the spots where he would normally get off shots. It wasn't firing. It wasn't coming. Even when he was coming in and throwing, it was, it almost had a feel at times to me like how Pacquiao would come in recklessly and throw straight one twos mm -hmm. to, just to get his shots off because, all right, here's my window. Let me kind of let me kind of lunge in and get these get these shots off while I can. He had success. I'm not. It it's it's one thing when you're saying all this stuff about Lomachenko. He's deteriorated. The guy's not a bad fighter. Like watching that the other night was not like oh now he's you know he's just average. He's not a, he's not one of the best in the lightweight division. He still possesses some great skill. It's just the things that gave him the advantages that he had over every fighter are just not there anymore. He, I put him in the same exact category with guys like Nonito Donaire, these smaller guys, uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, right? Mm -hmm. When Chocolatito stepped up, when he, be, when he became inactive in his career and he was blowing up in, in camps and he stepped oh, yeah. up in weight class because of that, right? Right. Dude, those matches against fucking Rungvisai, if he was a different kind of fighter, it's a completely different situation. Right. Lomachenko, even when he's been at the top of his game, he has always been an attack first fighter. He's, he's and, always taking damage. He's taking damage in some fights. Exactly. Exactly. But now that style, as yeah. you get older, taking that's where the bigger opponent thing comes like yeah. way big into play for me, you know, because these guys can lean on you. And dude, I mean, Ortiz was wrapping up Lomachenko quite a bit in the first half of the fight, and Lomachenko was getting really fucking frustrated. He was. He was getting fucking bowed and rubbed up on the same way when uh, we saw uh, Lomachenko in his second career fight against Orlando Salido. Guess what? Guess who did that? Okay, just to, just to transition into what's probably next for him. Guess who did that against uh, George Cambosis a lot in this in this last fight? Devin Haney. Yeah. Devin Haney tied Cambosis up, roughed him up a little bit on mm -hmm. the inside, was the stronger man. I think after that fight, when you saw Devin Haney and Lomachenko, I, now I know Devin Haney's out of camp. He's probably blown up to about his max weight since his last fight. He looked huge next to Lomachenko. Camera angle, all that plays a part in it. I know. I'm, I'm just saying that this is the type of guys he's like, he's fighting much bigger guys that are way younger that are coming down in weight. And you cannot tell me any boxing fan sitting there cannot tell me that Devin Haney does not have one of the quickest jabs in boxing. And it's longer than anyone Lomachenko's pretty much ever faced. 
He's pumping that jab off. Lomachenko struggles with guys with great jabs, especially great long jabs. He had trouble with, I know people don't want to admit it, but Luke Campbell gave him some trouble with the jab in the first seven, eight rounds of that fight. So did Jorge Linares. Yeah, until Loma gets going, those a lot of times what happens, and you saw it in this fight, guys get tired. Lomachenko does not get tired. He turns it up down the stretch, and other guys turn it down. That's the advantage he's got right now. He cannot fall behind in a fight with a Devin Haney worrying about where that jab is and worrying about how he's going to get off his attack for seven, eight rounds and turn it on down the stretch. This is a, dude, stylistically, it's such a Floyd Manny fight. It is. I, I don't think it's a very good fight. I want to fucking see it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, like, I, from an action perspective, Devin Haney possesses the tools to keep Lomachenko at bay for long enough. The most interesting and intriguing part of that fight for me will be to see how Devin Haney reacts to, because that will be the hardest puncher he has ever been in the ring with by far. Lomachenko will be. Yeah. He will be the most powerful puncher he's stepped in the ring with. He'll be under the most... Uh, he'll get hit more solidly than he's ever been hit before in his life. Right. I'm not saying that he's going to be swarmed and it's going to be old school Lomachenko. I'm just saying when those punches land, he's going to fucking feel them. Mm -hmm. So... I'm interested to see. I love to see when great fighters and the ones that we project to be the future all-time greats, I'd like to see them get tested. I want to see how he reacts to getting cracked because you know at some point in that fight, Lomachenko is going to crack his ass. Yeah. He may be late in the fight when he's trying to mount a comeback after getting snake charmed for fucking four or five rounds because that's how I would probably see it starting yeah. since he's a notorious slow starter, right? And he's going to, you know, uh, Papachenko is going to be like, you need to win this round. You need to knock him out. You need to knock him out. You know, and he's going to get cracked. How does Devin Haney respond to that? If he responds like a fucking champ, like I think he will, dig deep. We saw how he's improving. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to to win a you know, majority decision at the very least against Lomachenko at this point. Just by their, uh, their trending margins at this point. They're yeah. heading in different directions, Ben. Yeah, uh, look, I, I still think it's a close to 50-50 fight, you know, but. Uh, it, it's just the physical tools that that a, that a fighter like Devin Haney has, and the size difference. It's just too much. It's it's too much. It's you can only overcome so much. Uh, a, a fighter like Lomachenko aging. Like uh, I want people to understand something about fighters, okay? Because I know what's happened in this generation is we've kind of seen fighters reach their peak as fighters, like in the public eye as a notable fighter as they have been older, as they've gotten to their, you know, 32 to 36 range seems to be like when fighters make their money in their, in their big fights. A lot of times in, from this generation, these guys aren't in their primes. This like a guy like Lomachenko 34. I know it doesn't sound like it's that old. You have to take 34 tough fights, multiple sh uh, shoulder surgeries went to dance school <laughs> juggles <laughs> like at some point it's it, it just you know what i'm saying it's you can't possibly be at your physical peak when you reach your mid-30s and all of these things have happened to you for some reason in the sport of boxing and fans in the sport of boxing like seem to think that it's like oh if you're saying that lomachenko is not in his in his prime well then you're just taking away from Devin Haney's win no 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 I'm not trying to take away from Devin Haney's win they're gonna fight no matter what and it is what it is at that point 
them fans, they, they just retarded. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> they just retarded. It's like, come on, man. I just, we all watched that on Saturday night. That's not prime Lomachenko in any way, shape, or form, ring rust or not. Nah, he's still pretty good. Um, but you know, hey, let's give Jermaine Ortiz some credit, man. Yes. Dude, he's got he's got good size, good physique. He's got a nice, solid game, and yep. I be- and I bet you against a different fighter, we might see a little bit more. Guess what, Jermaine Ortiz earned himself. A lot of fighters going, yeah, well, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> you got somebody else? <laughs> yeah, definitely not the PBC. <laughs> Tank, definitely not. <laughs> Dude, I saw some of the funniest Halloween costume like fucking joke ideas out. <laughs> and the one of Tank, you know that one meme that went around to him that somebody did that made him look like a Cabbage Patch? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they took that and they put it in like a in some fat kid wrapped in bubble wrap, like packing bubble wrap, and it's just, he's like floating off into the air. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect, That's man. great. Fucking absolutely great. Um, all right, so we'll see uh, what's going on next. It looks like uh, we're going to get Lomachenko versus Haney. He ain't ducking Devin no more, Ken. No, no, now is the time. All right, Jojo Diaz versus William Zapata, a 138-pound catchweight fight as they prepare. Mm. Uh, they say William Zapata prepares for his run at 135 pounds by having a 138-pound catchweight. <laughs> what? It's like, okay, guys, this is it. But everybody kept referring to it, the whole promotion, as a lightweight yeah. fight. This is not even technically a catchweight. I think call it a, what you want to. I call it junior welterweight. I think there's a possibility that one of the said fighters may have been a little stressed out in camp, Ken. Might not have been able to train as much as they wanted to. A little court case nipping at their heels. Oh, how, what? we already covered that, Vin. Don't, don't we talk about shit that's <laughs> yesterday's news? They might have had to bump that weight up. So it's absolutely hilarious to me, this fucking dignified group of boxing journalists, even the the new superpowers of new media, had no idea. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a criminal case, man. Hey, yeah, once they bring charges, we'll start covering it again. It's like, dog. He just got fucking served, and apparently he was ducking being served. Like, yeah. they tried to serve him like five or six times, and they finally caught him in the airport on the way to this fight. So he was, I guess, served last week. You can't hide that shit. No, he because he's being sued in a civil case for showing his for well for sending his dick pic to minor to underage girls. Uh, not one. No, it's not. But in California, this is a LeBron championship situation here. Not one, not two. <laughs> I just think it's it's like like this kind of behavior is so normalized on the West Coast. It's like nobody even notices anymore. It's like what a pedophile? Oh yeah, I'm I'm related to six of them. <laughs> Actually, my neighbor. No, we just if you just rehabilitate them, they'll stop looking at their little peckers. <laughs> Sounds like a mental disability to me, Vin. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like, so this guy's mentally fit? Like, did a doctor do a physical and be like, excuse me, sir, uh, how are you feeling? Your blood pressure looks fine. Anything new to report? Well, <laughs> I did have a blood pressure spike. <laughs> uh, at the same time that I took this picture. <laughs> What's that? Don't worry about it. I just find it so remarkable that, you know, look, man, the boxing media, here's what they do. 
They suck whatever dang dang they don't, yeah. gives them the best information. Yeah. All it's, right? it's pretty sad. It's a sad state of affairs. It's the it's bottom of the barrel. It's like uh you know how the old rumor that was it MGD was just the bottom of the of the cask, just like the fucking like the concentrate of all the dirty fucking skunk beer that accumulates, and then they just add water to it, carbonate it, and they slapped MGD on it. To- uh, that's natty light in my world. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I knew somebody at one point that worked at a Miller bottling plant that told me. That fucking old Milwaukee's best oh. was just the piss cask from the fucking. It's just the leftover of Miller Lite, the oh. shit that doesn't meet the standards of Miller Lite. How do you not meet those standards? <laughs> Milwaukee's best, though, cuz. <laughs> it's like I said earlier, the best way to get good information is to suck as many dang days as possible. But that's what, to me, a majority of boxing journalists are. Yeah, they're the. They're the fucking stuff that they make MGD with. You know what I mean? Fluffer of thine meat. It's just, it, it, it's like, dude, it, you didn't get hired anywhere else, right. you know? Right? You get, There's not many places to get hired in here. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, you, you strive. Like, you wanted to work at P.F. Chang's, but you're down there fucking slinging orange chickens at the Hong Kong Delight instead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have no remorse and no sympathy for people like this. No. I don't. No, how can you? But there's no criminal charges. I hope those girls get paid handsomely. Yes. And he took a he took a fucking I will I'll say this. Maybe Cepeda threw uh nearly what was it? It was a fifteen hundred punches? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that had something to do with it. Kevin. Maybe it did. I didn't even think about that. Maybe he's like, I'm about to just unload on this little dick pic center. <laughs> this little fucking pink-haired fruit bat. <laughs> I mean, look, people, I don't mean to paint the people who paint their hair in a box here, but when you put, like, polka dots and shit on your head, yeah. and you're, like, white with pink polka dots, and, dude, normally... <laughs> It's like at least a 50-50 chance. (laughs) Something's going on there. (laughs) It could be a a myriad of things. This just happened to be... This would be the one case I'd be in for some minority report technology where we could see the crime before it happens and prevent these motherfuckers from... Yes. (laughs) You know? Like his phone would give him a zap before he, like, takes a picture of his dick. (laughs) He sees the meat. (laughs) It catches meat in the peripherals and just <laughs> just takes you out before you even get a chance to commit a crime. Uh, I'd be I'd be for that technology in that case for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, dude, I like William Cepeda. I don't want to I don't want to underplay his performance. Um, no, you know, by joking around about this JoJo Diaz stuff, but. Uh, yeah, man, I'm always down for exciting fire, uh, fighters, and it's always good to see somebody you know get their comeuppance um, uh, in a manner like this. Like Jojo Diaz has had a good he's had a good resume over his career. For William Cepeda, this is a, a really good scalp, regardless of what you think about Jojo Diaz's meat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't caught a, I ain't caught wind of that meat yet, but I was correct. Um, you let me know when them picks come out. <laughs> he was taking it from severe 90-degree angles, <laughs> but bottom-up shots, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make both heads look the same size, you know what I'm saying? 
Oh, shit. All right, let's get away from that 138-pound catchweight fight. I hope all of you enjoyed William Zapata's performance. Did anybody enjoy Katie Taylor's performance? It seemed like once uh, once that Twitter algorithm uh, <laughs> changed on the 27th, I didn't get one single ad for this fight. I didn't I didn't see one fucking one fucking cucks tear. You know what I'm saying? I usually get those fucking enough to fill up a mug. <laughs> oh, I, I, dude, I can't argue with you. I was kind of wondering myself what happened. Everybody blew the righteous wad on their favorite uh, social media platform being taken over yeah. by somebody who likes free speech. Those ladies all uh, shot their wad a, a few weeks ago in London. Uh, technically, the, most ladies don't know if it's a wad or not. Some think it's piss. Well, <laughs> I think technically most of it is. <laughs> You're doing something right if you get her spraying, either way. <laughs> no matter what it is. <laughs> Just, yeah, just don't don't think about that. <laughs> Anyways, fight preview event. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Middle East because this fight belongs in the Middle East. Um, this would have been a fight that I would have definitely traveled to had it been in a reasonable range, like in this country. We went from wet to dry there, didn't we, bud? We did. We did. This is a dusty old fart right here, isn't it? You <laughs> 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 know what I mean? Uh, Dem- one of them is. One of them is. Dimitri Bivol versus Gilberto Ramirez. Here's what I know. I know that Gilberto Ramirez would not be taking on this kind of a challenge if he was not getting paid a large sum of money. Yeah. There would be no chance. I know at some point he was going to have to piss or get off the pot. Um, I, I personally have never been a hater of Gilberto Ramirez, the fighter. He throws a million fucking punches. He's always engaged in action-packed fights. Dimitri Bivol is serious business who who you know will engage in whatever kind of fight his opponent brings towards him this is a great matchup but eddie hearn and the sport of boxing honestly they are parched wandering lost through a desert looking for a droplet of water and they happen to stumble upon an oasis a a spring of life a wellspring to boxing that is at this point the last teat for boxing <laughs> for for boxing to to sip from to suckle it is yeah the well has run dry there are no more teats you can't milk boxing anymore can you greg no it can't. <laughs> no and moretti tried to drain it <laughs> nothing coming out from that end either <laughs> oh, elephant walks they tried them all <laughs> But this fight ends up in the Middle East. We'll get to watch it. So, you know. That's, that's cool, I guess. Boxing's in such a fucked up place right now, though. Uh, politically, uh, fight-wise, uh, financially, it's completely fucked. We all know that. And I'm looking forward to reading the book or perhaps even contributing to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe one day I'll, 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 I'll write the foreword. <laughs> I was going to say, you would be perfect for the foreword. Oh, damn you Buckle up, motherfucker. <laughs> You're like, holy shit, what's in this book? I got to read this fucking book. Oh, man, that just inspired me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I may do a fucking my own review of boxing history. Oh man, that would be a lot better if I took up drinking again, though. It would. Um, anyways, Dimitri Bivol versus Gilberto Ramirez for the WBA light heavyweight championship. Does Gilberto Ramirez pose a problem for Dimitri Bivol in this fight? 
then with his with his you know all action style. I don't mean to circle back to something uh, you brought up with Lomachenko and fragmented careers, but uh, has Gilberto been in the ring enough to cause a guy like Bivol any problems? Gilberto, old lady, been ducking. I mean, it, <laughs> she she do be ducking. Yeah, she she do be ducking. I do to me. I look at Bivol like this. Like he, pos- I think he possesses. Uh, the skill set to give Bivol problems. I just don't know if it's battle tested. It's like, is this thing gone to where we rolled this thing out yet? Can we do anything with this here tank? It's like the Russian military. Yeah, it's like a giant Mexican tank that nobody's like, I mean, it's supposed to fucking destroy shit, we think, but we don't really know. It's got gas in it, right? <laughs> you put unleaded in this thing? It's fucker's diesel. I... Like, I <laughs> I want to think that he has a chance here because I think the volume punching of Gilberto Ramirez could give Bivol problems. Uh, you know, a rhythm fighter likes to work off the jab. I just don't know if he can do it, man. I don't know, like, when you ask me what's going to happen here, I'm going to say that Bivol's going to box this kid's ears off, and I think maybe I have to come to a realization, and I came to it a little bit after watching him just absolutely paint the fence with, with Canelo. I... I think Bivol might be a, like a. I think I slept on his boxing skills a little bit and his athleticism at uh, light heavyweight. I, I think he's just going to bust Bivol up a little bit. I think Bivol might give him a little bit of trouble, but I don't think he's got the pop. He doesn't have the pop. He doesn't. He, he's not battle tested. I think Bivol just points him to death with 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 one twos and he ain't hurting that fucking brick chin Mexican. You're not dropping Gilberto. It's just not happening. It's going to be interesting to see how how Bivol boxes him. You know, mm-hmm. I think he can come right down the middle on Gilberto. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that his straightforward punches, he may have to take a little bit to the body to engage. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Bivol come out early in the fight with a bit more of a measured approach against Gilberto because of that activity. But yeah, I mean, Gilberto had problems hurting the ghost of Arthur Abraham. You know, at 168. Yeah. Have pounds. we ever really seen Gilberto like? Land Is that still one? his biggest win? I mean, it's a good win. I guess it is. Yeah, I, 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 I dude, I, who knows? But that version of Arthur Abraham was more faded than the version of Golovkin that just lost the Canelo. We, right. <laughs> you know, going like thinking back on, I don't ever really remember outside of maybe on his come up as a prospect, him ever being in the ring with a legit fighter, landing one punch, and that fighter doing doing a two step. No. You know what I mean? No, he smacks fat pretty good, though. You know, He, he beats you around, you know, and, and volume punching kind of gets the best of you yeah. midway through the fight. He's not a guy that's going to that's gonna fucking land one on you and, and hurt you. Yeah, I don't know, man. We always talk about fighters being, being prepared for their biggest moment. Um, the way that Gilberto Ramirez, I'm not talking about his career inside of the ring. It's the way that his career has been steered and maneuvered and ducked and bobbed and weaved and it doesn't so much tell me that he's not going to go in there and fight hard but what it does tell me is that kind of thinking lends itself to this simply being a cash grab and I think it's going to be competitive until it's not I think Gilberto 
he wants to be Canelo, but I think he dips his pinky in the JC Superstar Junior pool. <laughs> what do you think? I think he'd be eating fruity pebbles in his underwear and shit. <laughs> he'd be training in his living room. He'd be watching video of his favorite fighter in his undies eating eating cereal. <laughs> yeah. After hitting a big dupe. We didn't we just didn't realize how good we had it with JC Superstar, did we? I oh, know. I know. I miss him, man. I think he's in like the witness protection program down in, in Mexico. They deal with that kind down there differently than we do. <laughs> if he gave us so much material, I'm just thinking about all the stuff he did. Oh, back to uh, that other Mexican that hasn't uh, made his name known for any reason. Who knows what to expect from Bigoberto here? At one point, he probably did possess the fucking skill to beat Bivol. He just hasn't done anything with it. It's been like a dick that's been left in its pants, Ken. Once you pull it out on a big night, she might stay floppy, you know? Or or you could make a mess. <laughs> Real early. <laughs> Real early. Yeah. You need some of that steady Freddy. <laughs> Spray some of that shit on your shaft. You know? <laughs> you know? I'll be giving them free ads, man. <laughs> I was just testing it, man. Just, just <laughs> oh, we could destroy that. Oh, yeah. I don't need any of that. When you start getting old, you don't need to be spraying none of that shit on your jump. You need, <laughs> yeah. you, need you need some amphetamines. Yeah. Can you get these nerves to feel a little bit more shit? <laughs> you got any... <laughs> Got any of that Breaking Bad shit for my dick? <laughs> <laughs> my Hindenburg needs some Heisenberg, son. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, right. Sorry, guys, for all the co- coughing in this show. Uh, bit of bit of consumption. So what's your prediction for the fight, man? Prediction? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bivol. Here by a wide decision, Ken. Wide. Yeah, I think it's going to be an action-packed fight. I really do. I think Bivol is going to get tested in this fight, dude. Until until Gilberto um, doesn't have anything left, uh, Bivol is better in every way. I think he's. I think his his motivations to fight. Yeah, just all, to me, it all depends on what, at what point uh, Gilberto decides to go into uh, hibernation mode and just survive the fight. I know Canelo discriminates against certain races. He won't fight against certain races. You know what I'm saying? But fuck! A Canelo-Gilberto fight at this point in time? That should have been the fight at 175. That should would have been dynamite. You want to you fight in Mexico? That's the fight. At, at Stadio Azteca? That's the fight right there. Yeah. Fight your countryman. He's not even really Mexican, Canelo. Who? Canelo? Gilberto. He's not? Nah, I mean, kind of, I guess. He's kind of big for a Mexican, isn't he? <laughs> I'd he, like to. I'd like to. I'd like to have some tests done. A giant Mexican versus a white Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a circus attraction from the 1920s. We're at either ends of the gene pool here, people. <laughs> Who do you think has a bigger deck? <laughs> one six three one is questionably five eight. Well, you know, backdrops matter, Ken. So, yeah, a bigger backdrop can make it look smaller. <laughs> so. I bet you they both permed their dick in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't want to envision that, but you know. But I could never. I, I I don't think that a man with a jaw as square and chiseled as Gilberto Ramirez could be working with fucking little little eaters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he might be. No, no way. <laughs> well, maybe. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. 
Uh, Vin. Yes. Uh, news and notes. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. All right, we talked a little bit about this. Spence and Crawford, this whole drama is getting really obnoxious. Terrence Crawford went ahead and took a fight against David Avenesian for December 10th. I guess if you believe the rumors about the additional uh, framework, the change order on the original framework, that was November 19th, is now going to be in February. So Crawford's taking this fight in the meantime. The WBC orders Spence versus Thurman, which we t- kind of joked around upon in our opening bit. These are stay busy fights either way, right? So does it fucking matter whose is announced first? Or is that all part of this fucking imaginary shit-talking game that I do not understand? Or, <laughs> or, or are the kids just capping here, Vin? It's all cap, Ken. <laughs> it's cap as fuck, bro. Uh, I would like to think it's cap, but it, it's not cap. It is not cap at all, brother. You, ca- It's like, did we talk about this being a possibility? Like, wasn't it? Before we even got ser- like everybody got really serious about Spence Crawford, like after three and a half years, when everybody was like, "All right, I guess we can get serious about this now." Yeah, I mean, wasn't Thurman always talked about like, well, they might want to put a, they might want to get a Thurman fight in there before? Like, I feel like it's been the plan the whole time. I uh, I don't know why they didn't make Spence Crawford this go around. Well, I have a pretty good idea. I just think it's also fucking disingenuous at this point, man. Like we laid it out for you on an episode, previous episode. If you guys, you guys, I know it's hard to to sift out reality from from fucking. You got to make it through those other parts of the show to get <laughs> yeah, to the. That's difficult. You know? It blends all together, and it all seems like some bullshit sometimes. But I told you, I gave you the reason why the first fight didn't happen. Right? Fucking Uncle Al didn't want to foot the bill. He didn't want to take all the liability, and he wanted Bud to foot part of the bill, okay? Well, that's because, like Vince just said, there wasn't no money. Uncle Al ain't got no money because he already spent your grandparents' pension from that Waddle and Reed fund. I mean, dude, we were just talking about J.C. Superstar Jr. Remember that $2.5 million bonus check that, that he fucking took a picture of <laughs> after his fight purse was reported as like $1 million to the Las Vegas Commission? <laughs> they were just giving out bonus checks like, shh, I'm going to give you this hush, like this. You know, they were just... Everybody was getting rich. Tis what it was. Yeah. Right? Fights weren't made. And I think, honestly, as it pertains to this fight, the PBC at one point thought that they had something in Keith Thurman and Errol Spence, this collision course. And Keith Thurman went off the rails. He got injured. He went off the rails. He was supposed to beat Manny Pacquiao. That threw it off I'm the I'm talking rails. about even before that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about like his time off from the sport, two years, right. two years off. His time away from the sport was so fucking detrimental to him. And losing to Pacquiao, that was the comeback fight that was supposed to be, okay, yeah, yeah, now we can get this thing back on course to this collision course fight. Otherwise, I think that Spence versus Thurman would have happened four or five years ago. But they both had potential to be this big A-side collision course that never happened. And people tend to forget, too, remember Errol was on layaway for a minute, too. Remember, he'd be flipping cars going 100 miles an hour, (laughs) getting his face repaired. Yeah. Getting anchors put into his skull for his new grill. Was he out for over a year, Ken? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, a lot has been going on in all these guys' lives. It hasn't just been the PBC blowing money and everybody stalling. That's been a big part of it, too. Right. If they announce the fight, which I have a feeling it will be, if it's not, it's going to be Stanionis. I actually like the Stanionis fight way better for for Spence, for me personally. I think the Thurman fight is more spectacle. 
I think the Stan Jonas fight is more competitive. That's just my opinion. Oh, the Stan Jonas fight would be way more uh, aesthetically pleasing for, for us, the viewer. That wouldn't even be close. Spence, I, I think Spence Thurman fight's a good fight, too. I mean, I would, I would look, if it gets made, I'm fine with it. I can tell you that. I was going to ask you if it's on the East Coast if you want to go to it, because I would go to it for the, because it'd be it'd be cool to be at that fight. I feel like that's a Barclays fight. That has the possibility of being a Barclays fight. Thurman's fought at Barclays a number of times. Spence has fought there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I would absolutely go to that fight. But I would also go to the slaughtering of my guy, because Keith Thurman <clears throat> would get stopped in that fight by mm, the ninth round, maybe the tenth round. <laughs> and I was there. Last time your man, yeah, I don't, I don't like to got walk stopped. in. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. I mean, Keith Thurman's not really my guy anymore. I'm still riding the bit, but it, it's a, it's a hard thing to swallow, even at this point Look, of my fandom, folks. Let me tell you a little something about Vince. Vince is one of the most positive people that I know in my life, and that day in 2014 on Puerto Rican Independence Day weekend at Madison Square Garden. Vince Cummings and I sat there about 18 rows up center ring at MSG and watched Miguel Cotto fucking take the soul of Sergio Martinez. And oh. when his ass hit the canvas in those ridiculously sized clown <laughs> shorts that Sergio was rocking that night to cover up all the just, knee contraptions he was wearing. It was all that all together, Ken. Still, still. I know it's a painful memory for you. Yeah, it is. The long pants. The, that. The- Sound of that fucking crowd, though, was absolutely fucking electric when he dropped your boy. And just, yeah, and it was me as a fan, not like I knew he was fucked up going into that fight. I knew his knee was trashed. He was old. We had seen the best. He almost lost to Martin Murray. Whoever, you know, some people scored it for Murray. I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. I I just like as a fan, like I turned all of it off going in there and then walking out. It was just like, you're an idiot, man. And, like, he was washed. He's done. He was done. And he got paid to hand the belt over to Cotto. Like, that's all this was. It was that that fight in boxing that's just that handshake deal where, all right, Sergio's got a chance, kind of, but not really. And Ludabella gets his guy paid, Sergio Martinez. I think he got 9 or $10 million for that fight, maybe more. Biggest payday of, of his career. Yeah. And I'm just walking out of there and, like, putting that together like what i watched like i watched my boy get put up for slaughter like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah. not for slaughter but for stud like he got put out to stud and it all made it worse when we walked out of there and that would be the same thing that would happen here with keith like keith just getting a payday and i don't really i ain't got that love for keith right now i'd kind of probably be laughing on my way out to i right think now. it's fucking medical malpractice that that lou Bella as a fucking manager sergio martinez didn't like even mentioned to him in a conversation that the existence of Dr. James Andrews here in the United States <laughs> like could have fixed his fucking knee if he would have taken six months off. I mean, I, dude, I remember like human beings that are five times as big as Sergio Martinez come back from way worse injuries than he had. But no, he had to go back to Argentina for the guy <laughs> who fucking is numbing agent. He takes a sip of it before he starts sawing. <laughs> That's I'm telling you, I know dude. I'm a hundred percent with you. I've been asking that question of what, what would have been because fucking Debella on a 24 seven before that fight went down to Argentina and it was like, I just had to go down and, you know, kind of see where he's at with the injury. 
And I just remember Sergio being on some like, uh, like one of those half moon uh, rubber balls balancing, like working on his knee strength. And I'm just watching it like, oh, this dude is toast. And then Lou's sitting there watching. And I know Lou's like, well, fuck it. I got him paid. I'm <laughs> yeah. fucker about to get fucked up. Yeah, Lou, hey, I bet you Lou got a cool mill out of that dude. Oh, of that. easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10%, 15% maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, what a memorable night. Yeah, but that's what, what I'm kind of envisioning here. Um, you know, but Errol doesn't have that kind of early power against elite fighters, I don't think. I think uh, that... The I, body shots, though, Ken. I know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I think... Look, Thurman can go out and and pretend be good, be a good boxer for six, for six rounds. He can pretend for half a fight. You know, he'll go out there and stay safe. And this fight could potentially look like Canelo Alvarez versus Miguel Cotto, where you know Cotto he boxed safely in that fight because he if he would have if he would have went to war with Canelo in that fight, yeah, rewatch it, watch Miguel Cotto. Just survive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in that fight. Yeah, he decided, I just want to go 12 tonight. And we saw what Keith can do um, against Bundu. He has that He has that technique in his bag. Nah, see, what you don't know is back then we were working on some shit. <laughs> oh. We didn't need no more one-time shit. We'd have proved that enough. <laughs> that is we needed 12 rounds of work that night. The Ken. absolute worst gimmick of all time. It really, <laughs> it really. But it wasn't until like his 23rd fight or something. It wasn't shit. until it wasn't. It just ended so abruptly. It was like when Manny went I mean, to 147. I mean, he was still knocking. He was knocking out the Jesus Soto Carrasas and Diego Chavez's of the world, who most boxing fans don't even know who they are anymore. But those were legit dudes six, seven years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what the ladies used to say. But that's where it ended. Yes, that is where it ended. I left it there. That's for sure. Um, hopefully we can pick it back up with a little Rye Guy versus Tank Davis. The framework. Ooh, it's in place. It's in place. They've used framework before um, <laughs> uh, for other fights. So they're going to use this framework. Unfortunately, the all-powerful orc face himself, Steven Espinoza. <laughs> <laughs> he's a security guard for fucking Tank Davis protection program. That's all he is. He's there to make sure that Tank Davis does not have to have a real fight. I believe that Ryan Garcia wants this fight, and I believe in Ryan Garcia's framework. You know why? <laughs> yeah, you got some balls, my friend, just to believe in that framework. <laughs> well, listen, Ryan Garcia, to me, in all honesty, uh-huh. If this was an IQ contest, him and Tank Davis, I think Rye Guy might lose. <laughs> so I'm Damn. just saying he might just be smart enough Damn. to take this fight. Does that, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. He's dumb enough to get knocked out is what you mean. That's what uh, you really mean. I think he needs to fight. I think, I think that we... I think they both might need it. Have you heard numbers on this fucking uh, Anderson Silva Jake Paul thing yet? Because I want to see where the gimmick fight numbers are at. Oh, I yeah, think it's dude. trending downward, oh, and I think Ryan Garcia realizes that. Yeah, 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 and I, dude. It's both guys. Look, Ryan Garcia's career is teetering. It's always teetering on. Is it? Is it Does it exist? Is in it boxing? on? Is it on today? Is it off today? Who the fuck knows? Only an Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Literally, I don't. I don't believe it's far from that. Like I know that's an exaggeration of it, but let's be honest about it. He's there more than boxing. Tank Davis has got some shit coming down the line for him. 
if they want to get this off, uh, they need to get it off pretty quickly. And I Tank did did get his date delayed, right? Yep. They were able to pull that off. Uh, that, that's why this fight is being made. That's exactly why this fight has a chance of being made. I would not be surprised if it isn't either. Like, were they afraid that Tank is going to have to be off for a year or two? Well, he won't. Maybe a year. I would say six months is the max that Tank does from that. I would think, but who knows? Dude, just reading that. Based upon my vast knowledge of. uh, Look, all you got to read are the reports and just the the idea of him crushing your car, looking at you in the eyes and piecing out while you're sitting there fucked Fucked up. up. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's brutal. Yeah. That's Uh, brutal. When you read that kind of detail, it's. it's, I'm just saying he might be in trouble, that's all. Yeah. Well, normally, normal people are. Normal people are. Me and you would be in serious trouble. He, yeah. he may not be. You know what? And good for him. If he's got that kind of power, leverage it. You, dude, I bet you. Because if I did, I would. <laughs> I, dude, I, you, I'm glad you brought up that Jake Paul Anderson Silva shit and, and what, like, tying that into this. Yeah, that, that, that Jake Paul shit, that gimmick is dumb. What do you think the numbers are? Like, what was he doing before? Do you know? I, I, the last one didn't do shit. I did awful. A complete had to be a complete loss for them on the books. Yeah, and Silva's reputation took such a massive fucking hit at the end of his MMA career, man. I, the arena look. I don't. I, I don't pay attention to that shit, and I don't really give a fuck. But the arena looked half full, like the lower bowlish full. They couldn't have sold more than five, max two hundred thousand, and that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not worth to keep putting on those events if that's what it's doing, unless that's the new market, and I'm and I'm too stupid and I don't get it. But you can't, like, the time and effort and money it takes. I think Jake Paul's making 10 mil a fight. That's wild. Yeah. Good for him, but that's wild. Yeah. It's wild that they can come up with that. You know what I mean? The bubble going to burst. It's got to. Like, everything is. I'm not trying to say boxing's dead. I'm not trying to, like, that's not what I'm trying to say here. It just has got a little out of hand. Well, boxing is behaving like one of those carpet tents outside the home depot parking lot that takes up all the good spots right up yeah. close to the store yeah every, you know every I mean? three months they're out there yeah. acting Just, like they're the, the clearance of a lifetime <laughs> exactly you know I, I tell you what man they're still selling shit from the 90s some of these carpets is magic that's what they tell you yeah that's what they tell you yeah, yeah the only reason they sell them carpets is because whatever they have smuggled in them <laughs> they need to do something with the carpets <laughs> i'm just saying you know what i'm saying uh-huh Oh, I've been to many a Washington, D.C. area Home Depot. Yeah. Yourself, then? Yes. Frequented all of them. Have you ever had any hot dogs from the cart outside? I believe I did. The Shady Grove, uh, Rockville, <laughs> lower level below the parking deck. Yes. yes. i tell you what, man. Got fucking Dodger dogs, SKs at fucking Camden Yards. You know what I'm saying? Home Depot. <laughs> Shady Grove. Walmart. <laughs> Walmart. <laughs> oh, I would never take like if they no, had, was it Wal- was a Walmart. OK, let me tell a story on my way over here tonight. Uh-huh. I stopped at a 7-Eleven. Uh-huh. I walked inside and I went to the little rolling fucking wheelie cook- yeah. cooking thing. Had you a fixing for a gliz, a glizzy? <laughs> had breakfast bites, taquitos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was just imagining how many taquitos I've eaten in my lifetime, like in my 20s, how many times I just went in there and grabbed a couple of those and just so awful, dude. That body count is up there. That taquito body count is up there. (laughs) Do you still crush them? Very, very rarely. Very rarely. 
Nah, because of COVID, they make like, you get your own buns now. So no, I bypass that shit because I reached down in there. I haven't had a fucking hot dog from there. I can't. They, they don't even have like the at least before they had the individually wrapped buns. Now they just fucking throw in a fucking six pack of fucking Wonder Bread dog buns. Uh, and them things are hard on the outside. It's uh, like. I'm going to stick my fucking hand in there. Yeah, that's gross. And people do. And this fucking guy comes in while I'm in there, and he goes, Hey, you still get that same deal on the window if you get a fucking meat pizza or a fucking cheese pizza, man? <laughs> Dude, he was so drunk. It's like 4.30 on a Monday. <laughs> oh, those pizzas are fucking oh, it's like, nuclear, man, because the kids like the meat pizza. I'm like, you're picking up dinner for the kids at 7-Eleven? What is wrong with you? Yeah, that's that is. Yeah, that's child services shit right there no it ain't not anymore you can't be feeding kids that fucking pizza and they fucking feed them jojo diaz's dick pics <laughs> <laughs> okay that really went sideways oh, it's a good way to tie everything together it is it it's is like it's a book ended very nicely kim it's professional shit there <laughs> It's fucked up that it, that it has become very professional <laughs> in its execution of saying fucked up shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. They both need something. Um, I don't think we have anything. This is not a Mike Tyson situation. I don't think this no. guy's going away for four years. And no. <laughs> anything. But no one tanks. Something could happen in the meantime. I mean, just, yeah. Neither one of these guys are serious about boxing at this point in time. At least their careers haven't been, so. Well, and I think our show reflects that. <laughs> just as serious. Well, I mean, if you want to do a boxing show seriously, you have to not take it serious. All right. Well, let's end the show with another. This has been the year of rematches we didn't need to see. Oh, we getting one more? Yes, we are. Say it, ain't so. Um, Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall, part two. There's so many problems with this. It's been years. It's been three years now since we were in Las Vegas for uh, Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez. God, was it that fucking long ago? I think so. Feels like it. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. Could have been sooner, but probably that long ago. That's close. Was it? It's two years. Two years ago. Yeah, fucking two years ago. Whatever. Um, after that fight, you heard nothing but like Josh Taylor is going to be done at 140. He's going to go to 147, and he's going to fight Terrence Crawford. And like that was the name. Man, that would have been awesome, wouldn't it have? Yeah, that's where we thought the whole thing was heading, right? But Josh Taylor, another one of these guys, and I think you nailed it. Um, him and his trainer combination there kind of uh, neutered his career. Well, it's over now. Um, yeah, for sure. But here's the thing: you take his long layoffs. His dumbing down of a great attacking sort of hybrid style that he had, right? Mm -hmm. And you become this generic, stereotypical fucking one punch, two punch, one punch, two punch, stereotypical UK fighter. A guy that we thought was a complete break from that stereotypical mold is now a fucking 140 pounder who for Two going on three years now has been telling us he can't make the weight anymore. And he's going to do a rematch with a guy that most people felt he lost to, but he's going to wait a year. <laughs> because we need to get a little older, a little rustier. We really need to settle into this perfectly Josh taylor size grave of a boxing career. <laughs> I mean, dude, this is almost... This is like, like quick... Career suicide was Carl Frampton on the El Paso border, right? That was quick to the point. Let me just destroy my career, all my momentum. Josh Taylor's has been so slow. And now we're going to get this rematch. And you know the worst part about this for him? 
he's going to get smoked in this fight. You think so? Dude, he's been bitching about the weight for years, and now he's going to come back to a fight he does not want. He's been putting this off. This fight, that, when that fight first time was announced, I was like, this is, this is not good. For one, Catterall waiting for all this time for that shot lets me know as a fighter and as that camp, they know they got something. Whatever it is about their style and that fight for them, they, they feel very comfortable about what they can do in that fight. They Absolutely. Didn't, they didn't risk it against anybody else. They waited their turn, and they got what they – well, they should have got <clears throat> what they deserved, which was all of the belts that night. I don't see how it's any different. The best thing Josh Taylor did was get away from Ben Davison. That relationship, I know, is MTK-oriented, uh, which, of course, that is no longer – uh, those relationships are I refer, whatever up and poof up and up and smoke and no questions asked nobody cares who whatever we need you to box in this style so we can hide the methamphetamine inside your gloves <laughs> <laughs> don't move too abrupt and don't throw too many punches <laughs> oh I mean seriously what what are they doing you know I it's just that relationship retarded whatever. Whatever momentum he had going as a fighter, it was finished. It just he be, he became this faint and look for a shot guy, and he got lucky against a fighter like Jose Ramirez that Ramirez brought the fight to him, so that that style was able to work. But if you're against a guy who's implementing that style as well, like Catterall was, and you end up just sitting there uh, acting like you're gonna throw a punch for twelve fucking rounds, yeah, which is what he did. I. So maybe this fight looks different because of the trainer change. He's in for it either way. It's not going to be easy because Catterall, to me, looked like the sharper guy. The timing was better. Just one of those fights where the 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 Vernon Forrest to Shane Mosley, just he's all wrong. Like Vernon Forrest might lose to Ricardo Mayorga, but, he's not, but he can beat Shane Mosley. Easy. It's just this Catterall might, may lose to Jose Ramirez badly, but for whatever reason, he owns Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor's been in enough really tough fights over a short period of time in his professional career, and I think the injuries and the layoffs, I think he has eroded quicker over oh, the yeah. last three years tough fights. than Vasily Lomachenko and Gennady Golovkin. I think he has gotten old on the same – those guys are older. Uh, th- this is my point. I yeah. think in relation to, yeah. to older guys over this same time period – Taylor has eroded, and I think that Catterall did himself a huge favor here. He lost his opportunity to, to become undisputed. He'll only get a chance to fight for the WBO belt now. So he could have taken an easier fight if he thought that there was one out there or if he was that kind of person. He waited long enough the first time for Josh Taylor, and clearly he doesn't give a fuck about those other belts. He wants to rematch with Josh Taylor because it's more important for him to get his honor back, way more on the line for him. I don't think... It's not that I think that Josh Taylor, don't take my negativity against him in this entire show as not understanding that his run is something I'll remember for a long time. This guy gave us great boxing performances. He's one of the better fighters. It's a short run, but when you fight like this, it's always going to be short. Mm -hmm. He's got another burst. Unfortunately, this is Haney Cambosis in this fight for me. This This guy's got your number, bro, and you're not as good as you used to be. Yeah, I think it's as simple as that. Could very could could very well be the case, and I do, I don't see look Taylor's got a f- tough tough fight in front of him if he's going to win on points because he ain't knocking Catterall out. He didn't land any big shots in that first fight. 
Catterall's just a sneaky little motherfucker. I, like when that fight was coming up, I knew I, I'm not a big Catterall guy. I watched him fight a few times, and I thought when I watched him, like, this is a little sneaky motherfucker. And that's exactly what he was against Taylor. You just almost didn't see it coming. Left hands right down the pike. It was like. The problem wasn't. How no- he got hit by it all night. It was like, you, do you not see it coming? At that point, you have to ask, like, are you just not seeing it? Like, what, what's going on here? You're getting clipped. Yeah, it wasn't a Canelo Triple G thing where, like, Canelo looked at – I was like, okay, I can't fight against this guy like this, so, you know, I, I can make an adjustment. He made a little bit of adjustment in that first fight and then came out completely adjusted in the second fight. At no point in the fight versus Jack Catterall did I look at fucking Josh Taylor and was like, oh, he's oh, he's, he's on to something now. Mm-mm. He solved something here. Nothing. I mean, he had no answers for the guy. So what, what – He tried to rough it up. Was he going to do more of that? He's going to need – the trainer, the new trainer change influence. He's going to need sort of the same infusion of energy that, uh, you know, the famous fireman, uh, Teddy Atlas, and, you know, that relationship, how it gave the spark for Timothy Bradley right there at the end of his career. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he needs that kind of infusion, I feel like. He should have swallowed sack and went back to McQuiggan, but I know he ain't doing that. Yeah, well... How many fighters have we seen leave Shane McQuiggan and and not fare quite as well? A couple really good ones. Couple two of the best ones that have come out of that country. It's, no, it's true. It's Carl true. Frampton and and Josh Taylor. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's crazy how I understand the Frampton situation, contracts and whatever. But yeah, as fighters, they they were not as good when they left him. No. No. Uh, Frampton became a, 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 for a brief period of time, a subject of Al Heyman. And <laughs> he realized, well, there's no place for a guy that looks like me. <laughs> they put me down here amongst the tumbleweeds. About to serve up the white man. <laughs> like, hey, man, you want to wear this, <laughs> this, this Mick Conlon outfit? <laughs> do a little, do a little prance. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Maybe it'll be a, a pot of gold there for you at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just a day late dollar short for Josh Taylor in this fight, I think. I hope that he can reignite something, maybe this time off and the change he needed to... Uh, but win this and do what? Go up to 147? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he should have just done that. Like you, lo- just, I know. Just do it. Everybody is so vested in their own personal business this day in boxing that they don't understand that they hurt their own business by trying to be so different. If you'd have fought Catterall four or five months ago, then I'd have said, all right, cool. You got it out of the way. And you could be on to a fight. Yeah, like this this February, March, April, it'd be like, Josh Taylor makes his debut at welterweight. Yeah, man. I mean... If he loses this fight, what all he's got left is a rematch. I feel like with with Progray, whether they do that at one forty or one forty seven, like what you know what I mean? Yeah. You lose twice to Jack Catterall, you hurt your career, dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, is Progray going to win his next fight? It ain't going to be easy. No. So it's going to be on pay per view. So another <laughs> another fra- <laughs> another fragmented career. Yeah, I mean, these guys go sideways, man, and, and now you. I don't know. I Quit guess. hating on boxing, Ken. That's just how it goes these days, buddy. You don't did, have to fight more than Did once you re-up your subscription to BLK Prime? <laughs> I done had that. Isn't that where you were going for your Lexington Steel reruns? <laughs> <laughs> 
was it wasn't there a fight on a on a streaming service uh, like Brown Sugar or something back? Yes. Is this the same people that own this? I, I don't know. <laughs> Brown Sugar. Who was on that? I don't know, but I just remember the ad being like, "It's like Netflix, but for black people." <laughs> that was the ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pam Greer was in it. Yeah, dude, it was a, it was fucking great. It was a, it was excellent advertising. <laughs> <laughs> but you love you some Pam Greer though. I mean, well, they you know they're playing like the music and they had it set up right. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go watch Jackie Brown. <laughs> oh shit! Oh man! All right, buddy, let's get out of here. That's a an hour and fifteen minutes of nonsense, sir. Oh man, that was a that's an absolute just banger we just put on fucking wax there, buddy. That is a banger. That could be the last of it too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home and grow some more fucking some more sperms. You know, somebody's got to fucking carry the high tea in this business. <laughs> somebody's got to have a satchel, right, Vinny? Oh yeah. Kids are outside. Kids are outside trick or treating. We're up here telling dick jokes. <laughs> Get here down there going, Where's this guy at? Why isn't he handing out candy? Oh, my lights are on too. <laughs> I haven't heard the doorbell. Have you? Uh, how would you, Ken? You have you have headphones on. Although it does look like by the by the looks of yeah, your like, lawn, they're like, oh, that's the haunted that's the haunted guy. <laughs> that's like creep. <laughs> That's that gender studies major. <laughs> that grass is awful. It looks terrible. That's all right. I just, I just, I'm going to get it sodded, but I'm not doing it now. No, I would at least, you know, at least go to the to the HOA and accuse your neighbor of, you know, P- peeing in my yard. Yeah, sabotaging it so his looks better. Because <laughs> isn't it remarkable how that just stops right at his property line? <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't know what happened, dude. I really don't understand what happened. I put weed and feed down. <laughs> well, Beck was like, "Well, I think your whole front yard was weeds." I yeah. Was like, yeah. You think so? <laughs> Apparently, it is. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough. It's, it's a sad state of affairs out there. Trick or treat, ma. <laughs> Why don't you eat the rest of my grass out there? Yeah, I should probably get out of here because I bet you my wife is fending off trick-or-treaters right now. There's a bunch of little kids living in my neighborhood, too. Yeah. I forgot. I actually forgot. I'm going to have to watch out for them fuckers on my way home. (laughs) Hope they're all wearing their PPE. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's the end of episode 362 of the Boxing Ramp Podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Subscribe wherever the show's available. Support the show at patreon.com backslash boxing rant. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll see you next time on the Boxing Rant Podcast. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.